0: Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com slash support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging.
1: Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries.
0: Suffering. The very word can bring us to a place of pain. As believers in Jesus, it is hard for us to understand how God allows so much suffering in the world, and how suffering happens to everyone, regardless of what they believe, where they live, or even how old they are. We often ask ourselves, where is God? Why does He not stop all of this pain? On today's episode, we are going to speak with one of our congregational leaders, Dr. Rich Flashman, as we seek to answer these questions. How did pain come to exist? What is its purpose? And where can we find hope as we endure? Dr. Flashman, welcome to
1: Our Hope. Thanks, Abe. Good to be here. Any new guest,
0: I always ask a first initial question that is not related to anything about the episode, but it's about food because I love food. so my question to you is I know you you uh you live in the East Coast um, you travel frequently in and out of Brooklyn. so what is your favorite Jewish food?
1: Oh uh, I would say Szechuan. <laughs> <laughs> especially around Christmas time <laughs> Exactly.
0: <laughs> so for, uh, for those who don't know, explain a little bit. <laughs>
1: uh, well, uh, on Christmas, uh, all these all the stores and all the restaurants are closed. So in Jewish homes, uh, generally speaking, they'll either go to a movie or uh, to the movie house if they're open and, and then uh, follow up with a, a big Chinese feed. Uh, at the local Chinese restaurant, because they're usually Buddhists and and they keep their place open. Right,
0: right. That's
1: that's awesome.
0: <laughs> well, I love Chinese food all year round. And there's nothing, you know, it's interesting. There's nothing like New York Chinese food. It's, it's very unique.
1: It's, it's great. It's great stuff.
0: <laughs> so Rich, we featured your testimony in last week's episode. Um, the theme was Isaiah 53. Uh, but for those who missed it, could you briefly share how you came to faith in Yeshua and how you joined Chosen People Ministries, maybe two or three minutes?
1: Sure. Uh, I grew up in the turbulent 60s, uh, had questions as to why the world was in such a mess. Uh, make a long story short, I went to college, and in college they taught us that the world was a mess because society was corrupt. If we changed society, we would change people, and change people would change the world. I became a theoretical Marxist when I was in college, uh, and I ended up, do- ended up doing a major in social thought and political economy. Uh, through that experience, I ended up doing an internship for a U.S. senator from Massachusetts, uh, who I'll keep nameless right now. And uh, and I uh, served, in, served for a semester uh, in Washington, D.C., in his office. I came away from that experience realizing that I, I had it backwards. The problem wasn't society corrupting people. It was that people were corrupting society. The problem wasn't, wasn't in, in the social structure. The problem was in the human heart. Mm. And, and I was included in that. And uh, and so I realized that that uh, that no amount of social change could ever change the world because all we would do is the oppressed would become the oppressors, uh, and nothing would really change. So I I came away from that experience having my my understanding of human beings change. My what was called my anthropology changed about people. Uh, but the questions that I came to the uh, university with stayed with me, and I began to think uh, at that time in my life. If there's no God, there's no hope. Mm. If we can't change ourselves, then, then the only hope would be God. And if there's no God, then there's no hope. And, and I guess I wanted there to be hope. So I began my search for God. Wow. Uh, in the process of that search, I, I came across the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Long story, keep it short. <laughs> uh, and, and, um, and I read for the first time in my life, the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. And I said, what is Jesus doing in my Bible? I'm Jewish. What is Jesus doing in my Jewish Bible? and in in, 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 from the Jewish prophet Isaiah? The Lord got a hold of that in my heart and and started started really just banging away at my spirit and my soul. and uh, and I began to think uh, uh, that Jesus m- might be the Messiah, possibly the Messiah could mm-hmm. be the Messiah. You know I, after about two or three months, I realized he was the Messiah. And I got very scared because I don't know if you ever heard this, but Jewish people don't believe in Jesus, (laughs) you know, and, and, uh, and, and I knew that. So I became a secret believer in Jesus for about a year. Wow. Uh, And then on April 30th, 1980, at Temple Sinai in Marblehead, Massachusetts, I was working a donor dinner for the largest uh, kosher caterer in New England, a friend whose father owned the business. And that night, uh, Yeshua, Jesus showed up to me in a vision. My life has never been the same. After overcoming all that, I said to the Lord, I said, you know, uh, anything but the ministry. And and then he called me to ministry and I said, okay, Lord, anything but New York City. (laughs) And here I am doing ministry in New York City. So I wish I had said anything but Hawaii, uh, you know, but it didn't (laughs) occur to me at the time. (laughs) Now I know.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you for that, Rich. So uh, I know that now you're one of the leaders of uh, one of our Brooklyn congregations. So could you share how ministry has shifted during this time of pandemic?
1: Well, it's been remote. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a remote ministry, you know, uh, remote services, remote Bible studies, remote counseling sessions, remote meetings, you know, uh, remote, remote, remote. I think people are, are getting a little bit sick of, uh, you know, the virtual uh, meetings that we're having. Uh, we're, we're all sort of eager to get back together again. We've we've had a couple of uh, gatherings uh, just in, outside, you know, to, to do that. Um, but, but that's the downside. The, the The upside is the reach of the ministry is so much more now. Uh, we, uh, in fact, you know about this, Abe. We we had a a guest speaker who was going to come and maybe speak to about uh, 150 200 of us. You know, a guy that a uh, very a very well known uh, New Testament scholar, and uh, and we we're going to have we we're going to have him come and speak in Brooklyn, speak in Manhattan. And maybe we could have 150 people, 200 people uh, come to that well we decided to go remote we go on doing a webinar and we had 4000 people sign up for it, 3000 actually showing up yep. you know uh, <laughs> it was an amazing time so so the reach of the ministry is it was, has actually gone way beyond you know uh, Beth sar Shalom and and uh, you know our, our our small gatherings you know in Brooklyn and uh, so that so that's been great that that part of it's been wonderful and we're on, we're on facebook and and uh, doing all kinds of ministries you know, online and and broadcasting and on social media. So that's been great.
0: Yeah, it really has. And uh, I think on the other side of that, just a lot of people are experiencing a lot of pain right now, Um, just with losing family members, with not being able to live life the way we've, we've been used to. The politics right now is insane. So there's just overall a lot of pain that exists. So, And I think it's one of the most difficult things for us to accept that pain exists. Yet when God created the world, pain wasn't part of the plan. So can you tell me, how did pain and suffering enter the world?
1: That's a great question, Abe. Uh, Yeah, yeah. when God created the world, we like to say he, he created the best of all possible worlds. He made human beings in his image and likeness. And with that comes free moral agency uh, that we that that we were, were given the freedom to make choices, choices really to love God uh, and obey God and trust God or, or not to. And, and he gave us that choice because love requires a choice. We all know that we choose our spouses you know, because we because we love them. And so and so we uh, it, it's a choice that we make. And so and so God gave us. That choice, because he made us as free moral agents, we had the we had the choice to choose to trust him, to obey him, to worship him, and to love him, or not to. Uh, unfortunately, we rebelled. You know, the human race rebelled against him, and uh, the uh, our federal heads, uh, uh, Adam and Eve, uh, rebelled against the Lord. At this, and, and as a result of that, there was a brokenness that came into the world. There was a, a four major areas of brokenness: a brokenness in man's relationship with himself, a brokenness in man's relationship with other people, a brokenness in man's relationship with his with his neighbor, with uh, with uh, with the uh, student, with nature, uh, with the, with the natural world around us, and finally, and most of all, most importantly, a brokenness in man's relationship with God. It really all stems from that relationship. And because of those broken relationships, brokenness came into the world. Everything is broke. Everything is not the way God initially intended it for mankind this is This is the great problem and uh, And so we live in a broken world, and broken things happen to, to broken people in this broken world of ours. And that's what we're seeing over and over and over again with all the misery that we have in the world.
0: You mentioned Adam and, and Eve, and uh, pain seems to be a recurring theme throughout scripture from that point. And so the book of Job, in particular, opens with a sort of wager between God and Satan when God allows Job's faith to be tested. So what does this show us about suffering as a whole, and and why does God allow
1: it to happen? Well, the book of Job is without question one of the great pieces of of uh, literature in, in, in human existence. Uh, there's really there's really no—I don't think there's any work that comes closer to giving us a deep, rich understanding of what we call theodicy—the this 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 uh this understanding of how can a good God allow suffering and pain in, in the world—and and so uh, so Job really gives us a deep, rich insight uh, into all that. We we know certain things. The Book of Job opens up, and again, I think it's divine literature. I think it's I think it's beautifully written divine literature, you know, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and and based on a true story, uh, Job was absolutely a was righteous in God's sight. That comes through over and over again. He is righteous in God's sight. The story goes to great lengths to make that that point. Job suffers terribly. That's another point. Job suffers terribly in this in the story. Uh, you know, in, and and we hear about it for 34 chapters. You know, mm. uh, just the, the the terrible misery that that he goes through. Uh, he has these counselors that come around him. His friends, uh, they, they end up being uh, sort of, sort of his, his counselors, and they sit there for a week uh, not saying a word. That was the, the best thing they did in the whole time. They, they didn't say anything, you know, and they just sat there commiserating and mourning with him and grieving with him at, at, at his misery. Um, but those counselors, eventually, when they started talking, they blew it, and they started saying, the reason that you're suffering is because you've done something terrible, right? because, because, you're, because you've sinned in some terrible way before God, which, is, which did not happen. So the question is, what's going on? Job is righteous. He is suffering. Everybody thinks he's suffering because he did some sin. Job knows he hasn't done any sin. He knows that he's been righteous before God. You know? And so the question is, what in the world is going on? Well, the early chapters, chapters 1 and 2, tell us what's going on. As you indicated, Abe, there's, there's this, this cosmic conflict that, that is going on behind the scenes. And uh, Satan presents himself in the presence of God. You know, and, and uh, God says, where have you been? Oh, I've been going back and forth around the world. And he goes, have you considered my servant Job? And Job was probably, if he heard that, word, have said, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't point <laughs> don't, me out. <laughs> don't point me out. You know, uh, but he says, if you consider my servant Job, there's no one like him. He's amazing. And Satan, what does Satan say at that time? He says, does Job serve, does Job fear God for nothing? You take away the blessings, your protection in his life, your blessings in his life, all the wealth and and all the prosperity he has in his life. He will curse you to his face, to your face. You know, and so God allows it. Joe passes the test. You know, uh, and, and, uh, and so and then so the next scene, we see Satan coming again in the presence of God. The same thing is repeated over again. And the Lord says again, "If you considered my, ser- my servant Job? And, and, and he goes, skin. For, and Satan says, skin for skin. Okay, sure. You know, you take away all the stuff that he had, and he still, he still blesses you. He says, but you take away his health. You take away his well-being, you know, and he'll curse you to his face. And so there we see Job is, Job is allowed to suffer in his body with all the boils and terrible things that he's, that he's, that he's going through. Mm-hmm. And, and that's in the, the next 34 chapters, he has this, he's pouring out his heart to his counselors. The counselors are accusing him of terrible sin and he's saying, no, that hasn't happened. And they're having this incredible conversation, uh, with each other, you know, in that time. Yeah. Then after the end of the 34 chapters, we, we finally hear from the Lord God, you know, who, who uh, who basically says, doesn't answer the question, mm-hmm. but says, where were you when I created the universe? Right. You know who are you to question me? And this is the only answer we really get in Scripture. You know, is, is God is sovereign and He has His purposes. He has His ways. He, he, he's He's at work and doing things. He's behind the scenes and and and, and that and that uh, and, and fortunately we we're, give, we're given in Scripture a number of different reasons for suffering, but ultimately God is sovereign. And we may not know those reasons in our own life when, when that suffering happens to us in our life. The question in the book of Job is, do people worship God? Do they trust God? Do they obey God for what they can get from him? Or do they do that because they love him and because he is their creator and their sustainer and their redeemer and the lover of their souls? If they Do they do it because they can get something or because they love him because of who he is? Mm. And that's the big issue in the book of Job.
0: So. And I speak openly about this um, when my wife and I lost our daughter last year, one of the questions that I kept asking myself was, "What did I do to de- to deserve this? God, what did I do to deserve this? Did I do something? What went wrong? What did I do? And I think that's our response a lot of the times, to suffering, that we immediately just want to jump to let's figure out why, what did I do? And, and the point you just made is beautiful. God is sovereign. We don't need an answer. We don't, he doesn't need, he, he doesn't owe us anything, you know, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm curious because I feel most people would wonder, would you say that most of our suffering is something
1: that we bring on ourselves? Oh wow, a big question. First of all, I am so sorry for what you went through. I, I know thank it was a, a horrible thing. Thank you. You know, and and uh, and if for any 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 parent that loses a child, you know that that's the worst loss there is in the world. You know, so I I I, I understand that, and I'm so sorry. Thank you. Rich. And and for everybody out there, you know, yeah. who has lost, you know, uh, has experienced this kind of loss in their life, you know, I you know, there's no there's no words you know there's no there, there's no words that can take away the, the grief and the the sense of loss uh, that you're going through anybody that's grieved knows this yeah. you know and and so uh so there's a sense in which you know uh, there, there are no words there's no explanations you know that that can help us in this except what you just said babe, you know just just realizing that that god is sovereign and that he loves us you know and that he has he has his plan the, the bible does speak of many different you know reasons for uh, for for suffering. You know, you know it's it's uh, it's not monolithic like people think. Yeah, we all think the same thing you do, Abe. You know, uh, you know, what did I do? Yeah. You know, how did how did I what what did I do wrong to 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 deserve that? You know, but that's only one. There, of course, there is punishment for sin in the Bible, but that's just like one small you know uh, reason you know for it. There, there are so many others. Uh, there, there's 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 uh, gentle correction and rebuke uh, that God allows in, in, into our lives. Uh, to wake us up, uh, there's uh, there's this desire for him to form righteousness and holiness in our life. Uh, to Hebrews twelve, uh, he treats us like his children, and so he's raising us and discipline disciplines us so that we might grow in holiness and grow in righteousness mm-hmm. uh, in our life. Um, he he does it to uh, as as a testing of our faith, and Peter talks about the testing of our faith. You know the, the, to make it uh, to, to 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 like putting in a smelting pot and removing the dross. You know, from from our lives and testing us and 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 perfecting our our faith in Him, uh, He does it so that we might display weakness in our life. Paul talks about this in Second Corinthians that there, that He has this, this thorn in His flesh, the suffering that He's going through. He asks God three times to take it away. God does not take it away, and, and and instead He says, "My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness." So we see God's grace and power uh, through our weakness, and God is and there's a testimony to God through that you know that that we are faithful to him and keeping our integrity even though we must go through uh, suffering uh, for him it's it's mm-hmm. a testimony to him it's 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 that uh that whole that righteous testimony uh for him there is uh this the the, the glory of God being displayed that's a uh, John chapter 9 No, this uh, you know what was it was it um this man was born blind. The disciples and Jesus see a man born blind, and they say, uh, "Was it was it his sin or his parents' sin?" Right. There's a sin thing again. Right. And Jesus says, "It wasn't anybody's sin. He said this man this man was born blind so that God's glory may be manifested yeah. in his life. You know, through his healing and through other means as well. Mm. You know, so God is glorified, Father. Sometimes, sometimes through our through our suffering in our lives." Um, you know, to uh, Peter talks about getting rid of sinful desires in our life, mm-hmm. not sin, but sinful desires, you know, that, that those who have suffered in the body, you know, uh, they, 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 they end their desire to, for worldly things and they want to serve God only. First Peter chapter four, verse one and two. Uh, Paul talks about God teaching him to learn to rely on him. More and more, Paul suffered something terrible in the province of Asia. He despaired of life, and and he uh, and he cried out to God in that. And, and And he says, the reason this happened, he understood this, was that we might learn to rely on Him who raises the dead, and not on ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul says that this this even the great apostle Paul had to learn to rely on God. You know, and not, and not on himself. You know, to and then then we see in in the book of Philippians one of the most beautiful expressions of this. You know, is 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 that. I, Paul says, "I want to know, know Messiah, and the and, and the and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings." Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's an intimate fellowship that we have with God, that is so often the case when we're suffering. We we come so close to Him because He was He was the suffering servant. He was He was the one who suffered for us uh, for our in our sins. He was He was the Messiah. He was the 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 one in, in Isaiah chapter 53, the one that led me to Him. You know, the suffering servant who, who who suffers and dies for the sins of the Jewish people and then rises again to new life. And and his suffering, uh, we, we enter in when we enter to suffering, we are entering into fellowship with him because he's the one who understands suffering like nobody else. There's so many wonderful, incredibly rich reasons for suffering in scripture. You know, that, that any one of them could be applied to the life of anybody going through suffering, and it's not just sin you know uh, to be sure sins there but it's it's just one of many many reasons
0: many of us feel angry and disappointed i know i felt angry and disappointed in my suffering as believers uh, how do we acknowledge these feelings without letting them control us? And I'm going to use a word that I learned in my suffering, which is grieving responsibly. How do we grieve responsibly?
1: Uh, another, another great question. Uh, you know that I think, like like all feelings, we have to acknowledge our feelings. We have to we have to be honest about our feelings. You know, I think I think too many people. Uh, uh, deny their feelings. They push them down because they uh, uh, say a believer, they, they, they might think it's not godly to have, to have uh, mm. th- these feelings, you know, of, of anger and bitterness and so forth, right. you know, and, uh, and, and then then maybe somebody else will feel, will be, will be expressing their feelings uh, in wrong ways and hurtful ways towards other people. So they're, they're both wrong, uh, exploding and imploding. They're both bad strategies for uh for for dealing with uh, with the feelings of grief and and anger and 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 all that goes along with it you know and that's one of the stages of grief is anger and so forth and so that's natural and and god knows that he made us he knows that so he wants us to not to not to explode or implode he wants us to express our anger uh, to express it to him first to acknowledge our anger to Him, to uh, the hurt to Him in our life—that's uh, what we see over and over again in Scripture. The psalmists, you know, the psalms are filled with people bringing their anger and their and their hurt and their grief to God and crying out to God over and over again. You know, uh, I mean, I mean there's just there's just so many that it's too much, too much to go into. Just just uh, just look up the l- lament psalms. You know, and, and the, the personal lament psalms, the community lament psalms, you know, and, and the scripture is filled with lament, you know, uh, to God and crying out to him and, and pouring out our feelings and expressions to him. Go to the book of lamentations, the book of, yeah. book of laments, you know, and, 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 and read that. I mean, the, the, the scripture is filled with these kinds of expressions, you know, of that. So the first thing, express what you're feeling to God. And then get some close friends. Get, get some good counselors and bring them around you and express those things to them as well. M- mature friends who can handle it, you know, and, and, and won't, won't try to come in and rescue you out of it, but just allow you to share your feelings uh, with them and, and trusted friends and counselors. So, you know, there, those are two wonderful ways of doing it. Express what you're feeling. Take ownership of these feelings. I feel this because this, Yeah, you know, you know, take ownership of it. It's okay. God is okay with that. He, he, he that's where he meets you. He meets you in honesty, mm-hmm. you know, be honest to God. He, he can't take the fake. He wants the real in our life and, and he wants real emotion, real honesty from us. And some of us that's going to mean getting in touch with our emotions. Cause some of us are so used to denying our emotions because we're scared of them. You know, but we're going to have to we're going to have to really understand what we're really feeling and then express those things to God and trust in others in our life. Um, that, that's the first thing I would say.
0: Thank you. So what is the hope we can hold on to as we walk through seasons of suffering, especially now during this pandemic?
1: OK, so I, I would say that that, you know, after you get through this, this expressing yourself to God, you know, come to the place and it may take a while. But come to a place where you can, where it's Peter says in First Peter four nine, commit yourself to God and continue to do good. Mm. Com- commit yourself to God and continue to do good. As you said earlier, Abe, you know, God, you're sovereign. I don't get it all, yeah. you know, but I trust you. I love you. I know you're good, you know, and and I'll continue. I'm going to trust you and continue to do good in in our life. You know, um, our hope is Abe is that God is as especially as believers. We know that God is perfecting us, that, that God is comforting us, that God is teaching us to rely on him, that the, and, and all that is good. So in this life, we know that, that there's a work of God. We are becoming the work of God through our sufferings and, and, and all the various manifestations of that. Mm. But ultimately, our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the resurrection. Our hope is that one day, is, is, in, in accordance with Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that God is going to raise the dead and he's going to raise believers to, uh, to, to glory and, and to peace into joy in his presence. We have a glorious future ahead of us. Our future as believers is as bright as the promises of God. And the promises of God are, are good that we will be with him forever. Revelation chapter 21 verses 3 and 4. Let me read that to you. Uh, chapter 3 and 4 Revelation 21 I heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe every tear from their eyes there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away he who was seated on the throne said I am making everything new then he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and true that's our hope one day we will be with him he will be with us he will be our God we will be his people we will be an intimate fellowship with him we will have eternity to discover infinity because he is infinite and he is glorious people think that heaven's gonna be boring it's gonna be dynamic <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be exciting it's gonna be amazing we're gonna spend a billion years just gazing into his glory yeah. you know I'm being blown away by that. And, and we'll be reunited with all those who've lost uh, in this world. And, and what a glorious reunion that's going to be. And for the others, guess what? Our memory is going to be wiped out. No memory of, 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 of the suffering on, of this world. No memory of the losses anymore. It all goes away. It says so in Isaiah chapter 65. It's all, they're, all, they're all gone away. And we'll be able to live in peace with God forever that that's our future. And that's what we're looking for. That's the ultimate hope that we have as believers.
0: That's wonderful to look forward to. Um, rich, this was such a rich time no pun well pun intended <laughs> thank you for joining us on this episode about suffering i know it's a hard topic but um we're in it we're all in this living it together and uh we can't wait to hear that trumpet sound so uh every tear will be wiped away so uh thank you
1: thank you rich praise god Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem.
0: It is difficult for us to accept the pains and the trials of this life, but God is still with us even in the midst of our suffering. We may never know why we have to endure these pains, when they will end or what good can come from them. But we do know what Paul says in Romans 8:28, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Let's cling to this truth as we press on in faith during this difficult season. We would be remiss if we did not mention that tomorrow, October 27th, is the two-year anniversary of the shooting at Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. Please keep the Jewish community and everyone who's impacted by this event in prayer, that they would find comfort in the Messiah and that God would bring an end to antisemitism. To learn more about how you can help fight anti-Semitism. Book one of our staff members at chosenpeople.com speaker. Thank you for listening to Our Hope. Today's episode was made thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Nicole Vaca, Grace Sweet, Kyron Bautista, and Dr. Rich Flashman. Until next time.
1: Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out OurHopePodcast.com or ChosenPeople.com. See you next time.